This is episode three of uh, the Social Distancing Podcast. My name is Sid. And I'm Arushi Rai. And the whole purpose of this podcast is for us to be able to discuss topics that are related to quarantine and business and how those things are coming along together, whether businesses are failing, whether businesses are successful, whether businesses are blooming, how people are dealing with it. And this week I wanted... So every week we do a rotor shift. One week, I prepare the topics and we talk about it. The next week, Rushi prepares the topics and talks about it. And this week, it's my turn again. And I wanted to talk about fitness and quarantine. Um, You're the only one that does fitness in this house. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, we both... Uh, <laughs> tell me tell me what you, have you been doing? I hop on all the trends and I'm like, Hey, have you seen this cool app? I'll use it a couple of days and you'll actually use it. <laughs> I mean... Okay, like the yoga app, I feel like you've used that more than me. Let, okay, let's talk down about dog. let's talk about down dog. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about. That's a great opening, down dog. <laughs> yeah, well, for be, uh, down dog is this one app that's part of this series of apps, and it's made by this company. We have no clue what what this company is. We should have done more research before this podcast. But Whoa. one thing is before. Before this episode, on the other episodes of a podcast, I was just feeling kind of anxious just because I had to memorize so many things and I was afraid of being wrong. When in fact, a podcast should be more about opinions and you should be okay to be wrong. So, uh, to be wrong about facts. And that's why I kind of prepared less this time. And by like an hour before the podcast, I was trying to rush and get into podcasts and listen to other things about fitness and the companies I want to talk about on this episode. But I just realized that it was just putting too much anxiety on me. So that during the episode, I'm like kind of twitching. I'm like, did I remember this correctly? Was mm-hmm. this the founder's name? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas I could just look it up, be chill about it. There's no stress. This is just like relaxed time. This is not like a time where it's like we should be stressing. So uh, let's talk about yoga. Have you Have you ever done yoga before quarantine started before the whole coronavirus started well i've Ever. done i've done sun st- salut- salutation uh-huh. and then i've done a tree pose but that's probably the extent of my yoga practice mm, interesting and then uh and then we started uh using the app down dog mm-hmm. uh, well as a precursor for me i used to do yoga when i was 11 12 years old i don't remember i should ask my mom how old i was but she would bring us to this uh, yoga studio in Mauritius. And that's where we would be doing yoga with this instructor. She would be teaching us stuff. It was just horrible just because I think I had like stomach problems back then. At the end, at the end uh, I don't think when I was a child, I don't think I had much body pains because I was still short and everything. But now that I've grown up, I've been feeling more body pains around my body, like my legs, my lower back and stuff. And now when I'm doing yoga, it just feels so much more relieving. Like I sleep better. I feel better. I feel so much better after doing yoga now than when I lift weights or when I'm doing any weight exercises like like bodybuilding. I feel so much better when I do yoga. It feels like you freed your body and it's almost meditative because it's not like the exercises are hard, mm-hmm. but it's it's like short enough. For you to short but long enough for you to like think while you're in those poses not think too much right and just go with the flow 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, and with like with we're using this app. It's called Down Dog. Uh, we've we've lo- we've been loving the app. I, me personally, it's it's made me want to do it more often just because of how simple and convenient it is. And with instructor just doing it and telling you exactly what the pose is, like now put your left foot up in the air or whatever. And slowly and slowly, the more you do it, the more it's like you get used to a voice, you get used to instructions, and it's been great overall. It's been so easy to use and so fun to use. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been very relieving, as you said. Uh, I've felt like my body has been just been been crumbled just because of a quarantine and working from home it's like i wake up from like this resting position and i go straight to my chair from from 9 a.m all the way till like 1 p.m and then at 1 p.m i have lunch for like 15 minutes and then back to my chair again grinding out till like 5 6 p.m and then after that i'm like ah well tired now go on the couch play some Fortnite, watch some Netflix, watch some YouTube, do some dumb sh- do some dumb stuff. And then at the end of the day, it's like I, I was not really motivated to work out. But with yoga, it just feels so good to like to take that body because, you know, your body's just been crumbled all day and then you just do it. And it's just like like twisting you like this That's towel, right. like twisting You're you. You're unwinding yourself. Exactly. It, it, it's such a it's so good for my mental. Um, I've been finding so many benefits for myself um and i've been trying to become more flexible the more i go and right you can never go wrong with flexibility mm-hmm. i mean that's the body you're working with what's the point of doing all these weight exercises if you're still like feeling rigid i mean you could tear up muscles i feel like with yoga there's so many ways you could go wrong like sometimes i'm like dude this might break my 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 ankle right now this is not natural for me at least at least not now because the instructor on the app she is incredibly flexible she's like a yogi expert and we're still on level like in beginner two like there are several levels on the app there's beginner oh, I one didn't know that. yeah there's like beginner one beginner two and then slowly you start growing to like intermediate expert and all that and one thing i wanted to talk about is the strangeness of what the founders of the app or the people that are managing the business aspect of the app decided to do which is during quarantine most like a lot of people decided to download the app and what the creators of the app decided to do was make the app free every time our quarantine periods are getting extended they are making extending the period to which the app is free Rather than charging us right now during this crucial time when they could take my money, I would be willing to pay for it just because it's really helping me right now. They are choosing instead to swipe, just make, give it to me for free and then expect to have some sort of, uh, expect me to become like hooked onto it or have some sort of, uh, loyalty to them brand loyalty yeah brand loyalty just because they gave it to me for free during quarantine and i don't really know if that's gonna work for them what do you think um i think right now it's part of their mission to promote sort of um like healthy living even though we're in this time of crisis and their app even though it's like the perfect opportunity to you know get that money out of people's pockets I think they're trying to do the right thing, not necessarily like 
the business thing. But oftentimes when you do the right thing, it translates into more business in the future. Right. Because as people, as customers now, we're very value-driven. Value-driven in terms of what are the values of this company? What have they done? The more positive things a company does, but like we register as it as good. And we're more likely to use their service. And that's a thing that I never really recognized before I met you. And I told you that before, because before I met you, I was just thinking, well, the winners in, in the business world are going to be the people, not the people that are doing the right thing or whatever, but it's going to be the people that are going to be doing their best at exploiting all the things that they are bringing together, like exploiting the cheapest labor, exploiting those kids in those uh, sweatshops, exploiting... Um, and unethical practices but then we're literally describing nike (laughs) yeah you want to talk about nike (laughs) no 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 let's not let's not touch nike nike is for another day um but what but when i when i met you and you started telling me about ethical stuff and you started telling me how some companies are ethical um you started telling me about ethical growth ethical cultivation of coffee beans ethical um production of uh cotton hemp uh, to make clothes and everything then I started realizing that most of the winners nowadays in terms of companies other than Amazon all of the most of the winners are winners are companies that are practicing the best practices meaning they, they get their resources in the best way possible their supply chain is clean enough their image is clean enough. They don't goof around and they don't make silly mistakes. Their PR is clean. At least from our perspective, everything looks clean. And those other companies... It's also a result of our nowadays modern cancel culture. We're so ready to cancel people and also companies as an extension of that. Yeah, other than Amazon and Facebook, I I haven't seen... I mean... It's, it's just those two giants that seems like they can't be cancelled in terms oh, of company. Facebook. I don't use Facebook. So many people don't use Facebook. But you still use products of the Facebook ecosystem, which is WhatsApp, Instagram. It's this company. It's They're like the giants. Facebook mm-hmm. is the giant of social media. And Amazon is the giant of e-commerce. And I should say commerce in like shortly. Like its biggest competitor is walmart and shopify which Which are not really competitors at all how much are they hurting their bottom line well the thing that shopify provides is that you set up your store and at the end of the day shopify won't create a competitor for you recently we found out that amazon has been using their small sellers as a data metric just to see how they're performing and then steal their data Literally, the sellers sign a waiver saying that they didn't sign a waiver. They signed an agreement that Amazon will not be taking this data. And Amazon literally took that data and they created competitors for these small sellers. And since Amazon can create those products at a cheaper price, now they're selling those products at a cheaper price on their website and they can advertise their products. They can put their products first. So Amazon Basics will appear before the small sellers. And but a minor caveat to that, I think I heard this in the Wall Street invest Wall Street Journal investigation into it, into this practice. Um, it's mainly like rogue employees. I mean, it's like a widely like a wide practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, where did that noise come from? Discord. Don't okay. Worry about it. Uh, 
it's a wide um, practice in the company, but they're also like skipping over protocols, mm-hmm. employees. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, I wouldn't want to get too, too far from what we are going to be talking about today, which is fitness apps and everything fitness related when it comes to quarantine. Mm-hmm. And for me, when it comes to what down dog is doing as an app right now in terms of a business model it worries me just because i am looking at it from my p- perspective of consumption i will once quarantine is over i will be going back to work i will be resuming my life off like after this and after i go out i'm not c- planning on coming back on down dog to practice yoga i'm planning on going downtown and going to a yoga studio and doing yoga with other people. I want this to be a community thing. I want this to be more fun. I want to be doing this with more people, with real people, talk to people and making new friends through yoga. So I'm worried that uh, I'm worried about who the customer base is for Down Dog just because I'm worried that they won't be coming back to to the app even though down dog is push, is putting such a nice and heartfelt incentive to the app towards their customers i'm very worried about that what do you think i okay so one thing this is like the the basic idea when they came together to make this app they know like well they made it before this pandemic mm-hmm. and these are just three months during this pandemic three four months however m- many months if their whole success survival whatever amount of money is dependent on these three four months then they don't have a business at all if people are going there's it's a different market when you're going to an actual physical studio versus doing it at home you can think of it as maybe this app is an entry point that's cool but you might find going to a actual studio is not sustainable for you. It's like you're not able to go often enough. You find yourself being like late. And this gives you an autonomous way where you're not limited by like w- what time you can go to a studio. It's whenever you want it to. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a whole set of other um, freedoms. or It has like a lot of positives to it. Right. And that kind of leads us to segue to uh, Peloton. Peloton, if people don't know what Peloton is, it's a luxury, uh, it's, a, it's a company that sells two things. They sell this subscription to the service where you can join and work out with this, this set of professional celebrity workout trainers. Or you can buy the bikes, or I think they have a, they have treadmills as well. I'm not sure. Uh, I know they have the bike for sure. And the bike has a screen on it, and you pay a monthly fee on top of the bike, which costs $2,224. Or you can pay $30 a month for 38 months or something. And pretty much the whole concept towards it is that it, it kind of built itself off of Soul Cycle and those companies that were really up in like the hype of New York where people loved um, those personalized trainers who would be shouting at you and, and while you would be riding the bike, they need to stand up, put your hands in the air, ride, mm-hmm. ride to the beat, all those fancy things that I've never done personally. But Peloton pretty much is trying to tell you that you don't have to be able to book 
one seat in a in the studio at this specific time when you're not available and then you probably miss it and you're paying but you might miss it you might not get a seat exactly. that's what peloton offers peloton kind of offers this convenience that it's pre-recorded you can also join the live classes but every week there's going to be a set of classes that are going to be available on the app so you can just hop on your bike put a class the trainer is going to be talking to you you're going to see a full class while you're in the convenience of your home your living room your bedroom your apartment your condo but if you can also afford a peloton you must be rich so i would be saying that you should you be at least be in your condo in a nice penthouse at least and, <laughs> and you don't have to have a penthouse to you don't have to have, to a, have penthouse. a peloton but bike. but peloton's uh, whole business strategy and whole marketing was pretty much targeting those people all peloton ads show the bike in those zen wood penthouses in the middle of forests or in in the middle of this manhattan uh apartment building while you're overlooking um what's the park in in new york central park while you're overlooking central park or you're overlooking california beaches they're, they're always selling this luxury brand this this ideal scenario that your life is perfect but you're also a busy person and then at the end of the day you will have some time to jump on your bike join this community class that will be hosted in manhattan new york while you'll be in portland and you'll be in your home and you'll just be able to join the class join the trainers that you love you love their energy you love their characters you love the charisma and you just join in you ride in you do your 30 minutes an hour workout whatever you do they offer um um i forgot what it is where you jump on the bike and you cycle to rhythm i forgot what it's called um but you also, you can also do yoga uh i should i should check what they offer but they offer so many classes and the spin spin exactly thank you yeah. and what they're selling is they're just selling you the whole aspect that you'll be training with people you yeah. don't have to feel alone you don't have to feel like it's this janky thing. You have this luxury bicycle in your apartment. Now you, all you have to do is jump in, join this class. The bicycle is going to track all your biometrics. You don't have to worry about anything. Just worry about working out. I think that's a great idea. Um, do I think that it kind of... For, for me, at least, I don't think I'll ever get a Peloton unless I have enough money and I think that it's it's convenient for how my life is working because I don't think it's a never thing it's just right now it doesn't feel like i need one mm -hmm. right now i feel like i need to go out more and meet new people work out with new people talk to people socialize i don't i don't have kids i don't have anything other than my work and this podcast so at the end of the day i want to be able to go out and talk to people and broaden my network but what do you think about peloton i know that people are seriously considering it i mean my dad who is a tennis freak and always plays like at least like one or two hours of tennis mm -hmm. and always like like you better go outside forget about the gym forget about everything as soon as quarantine hit he was just like so i'm thinking of getting a peloton bike and does I was your, like, are you crazy <laughs> does, your, does your apartment uh just for context you, your parents live in cupertino california a small apartment and yeah does it have enough space no it's it's just it's just a bike yeah. it's just a bike in your apartment it's just a small bike look at there's two bikes here it's just like one of these in like this i don't know like two feet I, well, by two by six feet i think my apartment in california is almost like double the size of this place so you could save their space but 
also you don't want to cram like it's like a comfortable amount of space if you put in one more thing then as you're just pushing it over the edge mm-hmm. but i think they wanted to put it outside in the balcony okay. not sure how that, w- that would do in the rain <laughs> that's not the best idea having a two thousand dollar bike outside yeah yeah I, I can see how that can be inconvenient <laughs> but i also I, i don't know like whether he's going for the social aspect of it like as in like he's seeing other people ride a bike how it's any different from having just uh, a regular bike uh, like one of those what do you call those bike do you just call them the bicycle machine like indoor bicycle yeah, yeah, yeah. those indoor bicycle machines mm-hmm. i don't see how it's any different for a person who's sort of driven uh-huh. i think it's a cool idea to entertain mm-hmm. but i don't think people really need such an expensive tool You know what was so funny? Uh, right before shooting this podcast right now, I was listening to How I Build This by Guy Riaz, which is, if you don't know, it's a really popular podcast. It's uh, one of the most popular podcasts of the world. And they pretty much talk about, they, they talk to founders of compi- of really successful companies, ask them how they built their podcast, uh, how they built the company, I mean, I'm sorry. And they were talking to... Um, I forgot the name of a founder. See, that's why I don't like preparing. But I'm glad I'm not feeling anxious right now. Um, they were talking to the founder of uh, Peloton. And pretty much once it was released, they priced it at $1,200, which was just above how much they paid to manufacture it because the whole business model was not based on selling bikes. It was based on the subscription model that you pay after buying the bike, which is how you get access to the classes. And they priced it at $1,200 and they went to their mentor. And the mentor was like, why are you not selling bikes? And the founder was just like, I don't know. I, I have no clue. I, I don't know what to do. Maybe this is not working out. And then the mentor was like, you know what's going on? People are looking at your bike and are thinking it's too cheap. So then they upped the price by $1,000. So it went from $1,200 to $2,200. And then... They went to advertise it in like a real, they, they were in New York, I might be wrong, but they went to this really nice neighborhood of like really rich people and they went to a mall there and they were just shouting at people like you, like uh, at couples specifically, like you uh, try this bike and then they put the person on the bike for 10 minutes, show them the class, the class was pre-recorded in the studio and the person would just be riding the bike and and then after that the person would be like hey honey uh this bike is amazing i we we need to get this and they would be selling f- to 50% of the people that we'd be talking to wow for every day which i think is super impressive but like that's also an upscale neighborhood yeah so my the reason why i i brought up the story was because there's this aspect to me that makes me believe that some people want a peloton bike just for the clout aspect of it especially since we're brown i feel like uh people around us like to um flex a lot <laughs> and i was wondering whether you, what, what are your feelings about people that buy peloton bikes just to flex or i don't know anyone who has a peloton bike so i don't know about that but do you do you uh regard some aspect of of um the economics of something especially something expensive do you regard some some of the aspect of its charm behind its price like for example when you look at uh, high beast clothing 
most things cost like a pair of Travis Scott shoes cost two thousand dollars and for me when I see that on someone else's feet I'm just like bro it's like you know it's like a an instant conversation starter and I am putting you on a pedestal already so for me having a peloton bike inside when I see people having that I'm like damn really really you're making that kind of money you're making peloton money mm-hmm. <laughs> so well that's a totally different concept mm-hmm. right that's like when you're limiting who you're able to sell to based off of like the price mm-hmm. you're not necessarily trying to make the next big thing because when you're trying to make the next big thing you would price your bike really low make a bit of a loss on the bike and get them in on the subscription service and mm-hmm. that's how you make your money back and you see that in things that are like mass produced like printers mm-hmm. you know they lose money on the actual printer but then they make their money back on like the the printing ink the paper all those things that you need to get mm-hmm. over and over again same thing with gillette right right razors mm-hmm. same model it's like the razor model but this is a like i don't know much about um hype beast the hype beast model where like you make things intentionally rare to add some sort of manufactured value to it mm-hmm. and that's that's like a business strategy of its own and you probably know more about that right uh i wouldn't want to delve too much into hype beast and that whole world that's an episode for another day that i really want to cover um but for now i want to talk about how peloton blew up during the quarantine season I have not really read about why we blew up. It seems pretty obvious. <laughs> Everyone's stuck at home, but you still want to be able to work out. You still want to be able to stay fit and workout freaks, people that own Apple Watches, Fitbits. You're trying to close your rings. You're trying to meet your goals. You're trying to kill those calories. 2020 goals, still going to meet them no matter what. So a lot of people decided to buy Peloton bikes. Um, would you... How would you, for me when I look at this, it seems like there might be two two ways of going about this. There's like one way of you design your company so well that once it's reached to this, you've provided so many conveniences. The key word here is conveniences. You've provided so many conveniences that that when once there's this pandemic that happened your product is so convenient that rather than crushing right now your your stock price is increasing you, your value is increasing people want you more than ever now because of the convenience that you provide same same like amazon amazon does two-day delivery does all of these things aws everything that you can think of amazon has like its paws into it now during the pandemic period its stock prices is going up it's making more money than ever. It made uh, how many billions of dollars? $4 billion profit mm-hmm. yesterday after the first quarter, which is very rare for a first for a company to make such a huge profit over the first quarter. It's either, one, it's either that route or you're very lucky and after this pandemic, you're just going to die. I just want to know your thoughts on, on how, how you think the... Uh, what's going on how would you make a business like that you know what are your thoughts how do you place your business so strategically that um that when a pandemic like the coronavirus happens instead of dying you just you're just thriving 
I think um, what you said about convenience culture, that's ideal. Mm-hmm. If you're making life convenient for people rather than just providing something that's like, like, okay, would you, I don't know if you've done any research on this, but like, what would you say, uh, how is like a sneaker culture doing right now, like in terms of sales? Probably is down, right? That has nothing to do with convenience, but it's just something extra that you're betting on people's um, uh, surplus money. Mm -hmm. What's that called? Surplus money? There's like a term for it. I'm I'm not sure, but we can look it up later and include it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So y- when you're creating something that's actually making people's lives easier, then that's for the long run. Right. So in 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 that sense, as always, I've been I've always vouched on the fact that whenever you're working in a startup, if you're not providing on any if you're not providing any sort of convenience to the customer you're gonna die like say if like you're making a food product Mm -hmm. that's like a very tough market you're likely to make a loss and also as soon as people's surplus income goes away people are not going to be looking at your product Mm -hmm. if your product relies on people's surplus income as soon as a recession hits and as soon as some problem hits which happens from time to time I mean, every 10 years, there's some sort of recession, some sort of bubble being burst, and people lose their surplus money. Mm-hmm. They, like, strap down and they're like, okay, what will make my life easier? What are my bare essentials? Trying to be conservative. Right, mm. right. So, I would say, look at, like, how you can make people's work from home more convenient. How you can increase, like, mobility, like, micro-mobility. That makes people's lives easier without having to rent like an uber or like uh like um walk to a place for that takes a really long time to walk micro mobility that's a huge thing right now that makes people's lives easier Mm -hmm. and even though right now during the coronavirus time it's not necessarily doing well just because people are not getting around but as soon as this is over it will uh it will do better Mm -hmm. i think it's 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 a it's a very interesting time. Uh, I read this this quote by Kevin O'Leary that says that um, people are worried. People keep asking him about Kevin O'Leary. By the way, is one of the sharks in Shark Tank. He is a billionaire. He is an entrepreneur. Blah blah blah. Very famous. Google him if you want to know more about him. And Kevin O'Leary was saying how seeing businesses crash right now is not scary. It was bound to happen anyway. The businesses that are crashing right now are businesses that were poorly led, that were operating in probably ways where they had so many fragilities or that they were not providing real value to their customers. So now that they are gone, now now that they're dying, customers are just like, okay, like this is, it's not the customer's priority. You're not providing convenience to the customer. The customer doesn't care about you. And when you mention about uh, High Beast as well, I've been listening to the Complex Sneakers podcast a lot recently. And they've been bringing in a bunch of guests, a bunch of designers, uh, Joy Fresh Goods, and uh, people, people like that. And all of these people have been saying that they had a bunch of sneakers lined up coming, coming up during the year 2020. And they had to cancel all of their releases just because it wouldn't make sense to release 
the companies can can release it but it just wouldn't make sense to release a two thousand dollar pair of sneakers right now because who's gonna care if your customer doesn't have the money to buy it they'll rather go buy food for the family rather than buy sneakers uselessly yep i absolutely agree with that Mm. Either you prepare your company to be a company that will operate during these surplus moments Mm -hmm. and live for that and like mitigate your risk when like these recessions hit and expect that. Right. But don't throw billion dollar valuations on these companies. Not that I'm saying anybody is, but Mm -hmm. be aware about those things. Yeah, right. Um, Going back to going back to Peloton. Let's not not bring up Tesla. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, just for a timestamp in history, in t- in in if in case I go back to this podcast one day and I re-listen to these episodes, um, Elon Musk right now is about to have his I don't know eighth child or something. No, six, six, six. Oh, okay, six on chi- Monday apparently. On Monday, and uh, apparently he has been saying that the coronavirus pandemic is just over-exaggerated he wants his factories open he's been spreading all this misinformation and has been kind of manipulating facts since uh, yesterday on twitter just to get people to think that the coronavirus is not that big of a deal and they can go back outside and go back to work bring the economy back to whatever it is um anyway uh, it's just funny uh and Apparently, Tesla prices are going down after he tweeted that Tesla prices, oh. Tesla stock prices are is overvalued. At least he said one thing right. <laughs> anyway, um, he was he was supposed to be the chosen one, but he's been proving more and more often every day that he's just he's just like his ego has been inflated too much, and now he's like I feel like he's on Kanye West's level of. Um, <laughs> thinking he's a god yep, and that yep. nothing can hurt him not wishing anything bad on the guy but everyone should be should I'm, i guess i guess i've never reached to that level of success in my life for me to be judging him but just get off the cloud where you're where you think you're staying because clouds don't stay in the sky forever um one thing I wanted to say about Peloton, the company, is that when they went to Silicon Valley, they were looking for investors, and invest all the investors said that it was stupid. So they went to investors in New York, and they got money from New York investors. And the only reason was that's so funny. The only reason was because people in Silicon Valley, California. They like to bike outdoors. Yeah, exactly. And all these things. They don't, they don't understand that Soul Cycle and all those things are really popular in the East Coast. So when we went to the East Coast, the East Coast. Wait, how is Soul Cycle doing? I heard that they like shut down and stuff. Uh, that was back in the day. Yeah. That was in 2014, 2013, I think. But uh, Soul Cycle, I have no clue. The last time I walked downtown, I saw a studio of Soul Cycle. Uh, it was by my work office space, but. I have no clue. I I've, I've never piqued interest into SoulCycle, but it's only now that I've realized the importance of community work, working out in a community. I feel like doing most things in a community can only be beneficial for you unless uh, unless like some off rare thing happens. But always interacting with communities is always the best thing. Um, 
I think I think the more we do this podcast, the more people will see the pattern into the topics that I bring up. For example, boosted board, community thing. Peloton, it has its own subreddit. It's a community thing. Oh, you're talking about like communities within these brands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because we were just watching like a design um, webinar this week uh, hosted by the IIT Institute of Design. And um, they talked about how now there's like different layers of um, design work that needs to be done. One was like the basic one, which is like UI, right? You have to see how many clicks are you getting, how many purchases are growing, going through, what's your throughput. Then the next level is uh, service design. How many people, oh, sorry, that, that's like the, the ease of use. That's mm. like your metric for that. Mm-hmm. Then now the, now the top layer is how much of a community are you building? How can you promote community? And the key metric for that is how engaged are people? Having a community is so important and it's such a precious thing to have. And also it's such a precious thing to maintain and it's so hard to maintain. It's so hard to infiltrate. It's so everything about the community. When you can build a community around something, that means that that something is special. That means that something is bringing people together. And I can say from experience that I've dealt with a community specifically while I was trying to work on my own startup last summer. And things just went sideways. I just want to give some context. This is like story time. But last summer, I was working for this company that hired us for this startup uh, project that they were working on. They, they just bring a bunch of students from college and they want the students to come up with startups. And then the students should be working on the startups, working on websites, apps, whatever you're working on. And so me and my friends, we decided to work on a startup that will be focusing on mechanical keyboards. And then we realized that mechanical keyboards is its own niche community, but it also contains sub niche communities. Some communities focus on making the cases, some communities focused on making keys and keycaps for keyboards, some communities focused on making the wires for keyboards, all sorts of things that you'd never think of unless you were to look and keep looking. And my team and I, we decided to focus on the keycaps, specifically artisan keycaps. Artisan keycaps is just a handmade keycap that can be sold from $30 all the way up to the thousands. And thousands? Yeah, uh, it, it depends. Wow. Like it, it, the, the ones that reach the thousands level had like high beast status in with the with the community and it would be on, it would be super rare it's only a few people that would be having them so once you're trading them it's like worth a lot so um we tried to what what we were coming up with we just saw this community we had no clue as to what was going on and we were just like well it's it's cool it's there's this community we are making all of their sales on reddit through google forms it's not practical at all it's so clunky it's not it's like we we tried to buy the keycaps ourselves and it took so much time so we tried to find a way to bypass this so then we created this small startup called captic 
and me and my friends we just worked on captic we worked on it for three months and we just we just worked on it we kept talking to people within the community and then the more we reach closer to finishing the more people started responding to us saying hey um yeah what you're doing is not cool and then leave us like that we would be asking why what's going on why do you think it's not cool and people would be like yeah no don't do that and then the closer we reach uh, to the end of the summer which would be the, also the end of the internship uh, we were just like well you know a few people said no we're just gonna release and see what's up so we started releasing promotional posters our promotional website and all of this and people just went uh, rage mode on us they we roasted you on live stream they went on twitch they roasted us on live stream they roasted the whole thing we hosted a small podcast to just explain things easily just to tell people just to try to tell people that we are part of this community as well but one thing you have to realize once you're working with a community that's already existence especially you have to understand that those people are going to be obsessed with what they are interested in mm -hmm. the people that were working with uh, those keycaps they were obsessed with keycaps we were providing a convenience for a very small price it was like a small percentage of their selling of the profit that we were making off of the keycaps but they just saw us as intruders just because we never made keycaps in our lives mm -hmm. we never interacted with those subreddits before we started this internship and it was apparent reddit has all of those messages reddit has everything we just came in as intruders and everyone was just like no you have to be able to at least interact with us we need to know that you are part of us and then we'll make sure that okay well seems like it's coming from a good intention since you're one of us and but that's also not everybody wants convenience some people enjoy the process in which like even the struggles that they're going through mm -hmm. to achieve these outcomes yeah and i guess that's what made that's what kind of made the whole community of artisan keycaps i suppose i i'm i'm not i mean after after the internship i said that i wanted to keep captic going so while i was working in school i kept working on the project and the funny thing is that I, I started making keycaps myself because I had to be legit, you know? It was like a proof. It was like walking those 100 miles just to be able to prove to the people that I'm one of theirs or I want to be one of theirs, open the doors to me so that I can bring my ideas in, which would be captic. And once I started making keycaps, I took four months learning how to 3D print. Uh, at the beginning of 2020, I started this series on YouTube called Passive Income where I would be trying to sell those keycaps. I would be trying to make $1,000 every month just by selling keycaps. When the coronavirus happened, it just led to a halt in the whole process. But at the end of the day, I was barely part of the community. Uh, while I was making those keycaps, I did not really interact with people, but I was uh, following a lot of people and the discussion was, was, it was, I didn't find a way to be able to infiltrate in there. And especially with the Discord community, which tends to be a very, um, it tends to be a group of friends that have this uh, concentrated conversation. So once you come in with a different idea, it's just like, it's very apparent that you're standing out. You have a black dot on the whiteboard so uh, so when when i started making the keycaps 
it, it it was cool it was a cool ending experience i don't know if i'm gonna be making them again but it was a cool experience just to be able to understand what it takes before infiltrating community and <laughs> keep using the word infiltrating that's not not a good term <laughs> it's not a good term but i'm trying to, uh when i think that's literally how you don't want to appear exactly exactly but when i when i viewed my whole experience from a re- retro- retrospective point of view I just saw it as this community in the middle of a forest just because I had never heard of people making autism keycaps before and I was this guy that just stumbled on them so then I was just trying to find the best angle where I could just sneak in and then just try to blend in slowly. One thing you have to also realize when when trying to make a business with existing communities, one thing I've learned from experience is you don't have to pretend to be someone, somebody else. You just have to be real and be like, hey, I'm new and I'm trying to learn things and just talk to people. And that was my biggest mistake with the autism keycap community. And I think I, I have right now after working with um, autism keycaps and the autism keycap community, I've just grown this obsession of communities. And now uh, I've I've joined so many more communities after I've joined this community, and now that uh, if if I choose to work on a startup in a f- like later in the future, and I choose to work with a community, I will make sure first to blend in properly, introduce myself as this person, and as this person that wants to learn, learn to talk to people, learn everything. I still think there's a slight problem in that approach, and it's exactly what anybody in a community will notice in a second. They're like, you have different motives. They'll know your intentions. If your intentions are, I want to join this community so I can get X, Y, Z, rather than I want to learn more about the process and purely think about the process, you're not going to be able to blend in with the community. You're not going to be able, no one's going to have respect for you in that community. Right. If you enjoy that product, those different products, and you're like, yeah, I want to get some, you join it first. You, Whenever you're trying to create a startup, you have to tap into something that you're already doing. Whenever you're doing like some user research and you're trying to like infiltrate uh, a market, you're going to come off with a weaker, weaker stance. I'm not saying you won't be successful in it. You can be, but you're not going to be, you won't have that story of, hey, I was passionate about this and I knew very well like X, Y, Z were the flaws and I talked to people and they also have the same sentiment, so why not create this service? You won't have that story. Mm -hmm. And that's just that. I think... And by trying to trick a community into mm -hmm. thinking that you do have that story... That's wrong, and that will always that will never be accepted. That's that's such a good point of what I've learned ever since I've started trying to start startups in college. Because ever since I came to college, since freshman year, I've been trying very desperately to start startups. It's like, where can I find a problem? What problem can I solve? How how can I improve this? How can I make this better? Blah blah blah. But I was not really part of these things i was not really experiencing any problem i was just a kid and i was just trying to it was clear that my end goal was always money i was always trying to make money out of it or mm-hmm. always trying to profit off of it and the more i've i've went with the years and the more i've tried i think i've i've worked on 
three startups. And the more I've worked on these startups, the more I have realized that I'm not chasing. Once you reach in, once you reach like six months or a year into the project, you just, you just think to yourself, you're just like, what problem am I trying to solve again? I don't remember. Because you grew an obsession. First, it, it comes from money. And then you're like, oh, this is a cool project. Maybe I can use this to and reach my end goal. But then once you grow an obsession into the whole field, and then you're just like, wait, I was trying to build this chatting system for students right now to be able to study together. What was the problem with how we chatted again? Like, this seems to be no problem. And... That was my whole thing. That's why I really took a step back and I just said, you know what? It's time to maybe take like just work, work a normal job, um, learn a few things in the job, learn how people interact, learn the infrastructure of how a company works, learn all those things, and then find a problem later in your life when it comes to you. Grow interests in natural Get, things. Yes, exactly. Grow your natural interests. Mm-hmm. And also continue like having mini projects. Not everybody, not every idea you have needs to be like a billion dollar idea. You can have like small ideas that you're just doing for fun and you learn and you gain a lot out of it. And you go around, go along collecting these experiences and these experiences shape your story, who you are. And that, at the end of the day, in the long term, it'll you'll end up create if you end up creating something, it'll be much stronger and much more genuine. And you will not quit after six months or a year. Exactly. Just because naturally, when you grow these obsessions, the root that is tangled around these obsessions is so much stronger than the root that is that is artificially grown and wrapped around the fake. Um, let's say you're trying to infiltrate this community excuse me you're trying to infiltrate this community the root that is grown around this obsession to infiltrate and to be part of this community is so weak and you're gonna be you're gonna get called out so easily but when you're trying to create something genuine and you're trying to actually solve a problem that you found and identified and you know you're not the only person that's going for a problem then you'll be like okay you know what this this is worth my time this is worth an investment. This is worth like a look into the community, into who's using this. How can I talk to people? You know, you, you're already in a way better position because you already know more than anyone else because you're obsessed with what you're doing. And yeah, that was kind of like my experience and my danger into... This is a cool segue because next week I really want to talk to uh, students who are doing stuff during like uh, this pandemic mm-hmm. and whether they're working on any ideas mm-hmm. are we inviting students next next week on the podcast i don't know yet i'm okay. gonna reach out yeah sure um well we still have some time left um i just want to take some chill time to to slowly transition out of the podcast um other than doing yoga and we bought uh, resistance bands yes. at the beginning of the the pandemic i remember as soon as i saw other countries going into quarantine i was just like you know what if i can't i wasn't i wasn't even going to the gym regularly as soon as i started working i work so far away from where i live that i had to stop going to the gym or go to the gym whenever i could just like try to sneak in 30 minutes 
which is like never enough for people that go that work out but as soon as the pandemic started i was like you know what i have to keep working out and i bought those resistance bands and you've been working out with resistance bands how would you say working out with resistance bands has been so far it's really fun mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun especially when you like pull up the uh, different exercises that you can do with it i really get a good workout in and i always end up feeling really refreshed and it's it's not impossibly difficult for me to do mm-hmm. um i think when i started going to the gym before this whole pandemic happened i think like i i started going to the gym on a very very regular basis mm-hmm. where i was going like pretty much every day or at least trying to go at least three three days a week mm-hmm. um and going going through the treadmill part of the workout was hard but like i i i started doing weights too Mm -hmm. usually i'd always done like treadmill and that's something that i didn't look forward to at all Mm -hmm. running isn't that fun what made treadmill so so much like so good for you like what no it treadmill isn't good like i weights weights Mm -hmm. it's easier (laughs) Mm. it's like you're getting a good workout in you're using the different parts of your body that you didn't necessarily use before. And these are actually, like for me, the parts of my body, like my back, my shoulders, that felt really weak. And I, I was always embarrassed to do like push-ups right. or even rock climbing because mm-hmm. I, I was just like, dude, I have no upper body strength. Right. Even though I, I've been an athlete my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and building those weak parts of myself up, I was like, oh, I see a really good like end goal to this. Mm. And this isn't so impossibly difficult. Right. I think that's what a lot of trainers on YouTube that have been have always motivated about. It's like you should always be taking a picture every week of yourself and your body just to be able to see where you've started just so that you don't lose track of motivation because every day you see your body in the mirror probably so you never really see the difference but when you're seeing the pictures you're like, oh, that's where I started. That's where I am right now. I should probably maybe increase my workout because this is going somewhere and mm-hmm. that's always cool especially with lifting weights that's been always been this cool aspect for it to just see like your muscles grow see you be able to do things more easily be able to lift things you couldn't lift before that's always like the fun aspect of it uh, how do, would you compare resistance workouts resistance band workouts with um how would you compare that with uh, weighted workouts? It's been practically the same, but I get more of a stretch in. Right. Yeah. Um, I was, I was uh, listening to Tom Brady's book, the book that you hate. <laughs> no, uh, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just think pliability is really funny. Right. Tom Brady has this book. It's called uh, TB12 Workout or TB12 something, uh, and what it encourages is to be using resistance bands in most of your workouts because he invented this term called pliability which pretty much instead of growing your muscles uh, by making green volume he's trying to lengthen your muscles and making them longer so that you can use them for longer throughout your lifetime so if let's say can your muscles become longer though yeah um <laughs> we we should we should um I, I should look into them more. We should do it together. But pretty much what his theory is, is that he's one of the oldest athletes in the NFL, but he's also one of the best just because all the other athletes are big and we always like emphasize on making like huge, like those huge lifts of like 100, like uh, like benching 350 pounds, 400 pounds or whatever. 
but he always focused more on like making exercises for the necessary like the necessary muscles that he would need as a quarterback he would need um his shoulders he would need his triceps his biceps he would need his back but he wouldn't need to be deadlifting so much weight he wouldn't need to be benching so much he didn't need that big of a chest so that what's that's what differentiated him from most of the athletes was training smarter not training hard mm-hmm. so i think that's why um uh, he was always encouraging to use um, those elastic bands so uh, when i started using them I, i'm just I'm just trying to see the difference just because me personally I haven't really noticed the difference but I've also not been really consistent with it I've been more consistent with yoga than anything right now but um, we should see in the future uh, where it goes because I think I'll try to implement these more into my normal workout routine mm-hmm. um, it's oh also I wanted to really applaud you for uh, being vulnerable and talking about your experiences last summer with your startup mm-hmm. I think that's really like brave of you to talk about that um, how things went sour with that community because I think a lot of like business students they come in and then like things backfire and they might not necessarily have the same like tools to analyze why that happened so you coming forward with your story about like how infiltrating a community is not the way to go might give others some insight when things go wrong. Oh, I, I think, I mean, I, I never saw it as this sort of vulnerability that I'm trying to open up on the on air right now, just because for me, I've always really emphasized on learning by failing. That's why I hated school so much, because I wanted to fail quizzes just to be able to know where I'm not doing well. So with me failing at that startup it felt really good to understand where my weakness was which was that i was trying to do something that was not natural and i think yes it's it's really great that i'm able to be able to i'm able to talk about it right now and and if anyone is listening who can find value from it it's really great and learn from my failures i i want to learn from my failures and i'm just giving myself time to be able to assimilate it more in a more processed and deep way but if anyone can find value from what i said right now hey good for you you know um it's almost an hour so uh, unless you have anything else to add we should wrap this up all right oh actually i do have one point to make What's up? It, it's interesting that we started talking about communities down dog where they're really lacking is a lack of community but it's true there is no rating system there is no comment system the, the app is very simple and people love the app i see like on uh the yeah. google play store comments mm-hmm. that like everybody's loving it not a bad word they're like this no one's even talking about the pandemic they're like this is like a great replacement for my studio since it closed all that the funny thing with um down dog is that it's simple it's a simple app no ads no nothing you choose whatever you want with your your yoga session could be a 13 minute yoga session could be an hour could be 30 whatever you want it's just providing simplicity I guess that's why the the community aspect would kind of disturb the whole ecosystem, 
but I also see that in terms of the engineering, they've just replicated the same app for different types of workout. Like they have one app for high intensity, one app for yoga, one app for like an app for different sorts of workout trends. So I'm guessing, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they're just focusing on being simple right. and to be honest, it's working for them mm-hmm. right now. I don't know in terms of a business, how we're going to survive after the quarantine. If hey, maybe we can start their subreddit. <laughs> hmm, that wouldn't be such a bad idea. But being a moderator also involves having a lot of free time on your hand. I don't think I want to really? be. A, yeah, I don't think I want to be a moderator on subreddit. Oh no, okay. subreddit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's been it for episode three of the social distancing podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And to whoever's listening, I hope you had a good time and see you. Bye.